All right, we are now joined by the newest member of the Rangers coverage team, Peter Boff from The Athletic, joining Forever Blue Shirts. Peter, welcome to New York Hockey. Uh, you have come at the perfect time. You've seen the fan base at its most rational uh, and its <laughs> most uh, thought-provoking. Uh, thank you for joining Forever Blue Shirts. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so we might as well start it right uh, at recent games. The Rangers falling 5-2 to two. Uh, on Thursday to the St. Louis Blues in St. Louis. They've now lost three straight, 10-8-1 since the start of December with a uh, negative goal differential. You know, in your time, what what have you seen has been this team's biggest issue? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a lot of things that other people have mentioned. It's the defensive details and especially coverage on on zone or, or on rush rush attempts um, the into the offensive zone have, have clearly bit them. It bit them again last night. It bit them against Vancouver. And you see against when you give dangerous players opportunities like they're giving up, you're going to see lopsided scores. I think they've given up five plus goals 10 times this year already. And last year it was only six, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely a lot to clean up defensively. And I mean, I'm certain they know that and are working towards it. But that's been pretty clear to me in the first, I guess, five or six games that I've been here. Well, when we talk about defense and the Rangers have missed Capo Caco for a, a good amount of time, he should be back fairly soon. Um, you necessarily haven't seen him yet covering the Rangers, but you know how important is he defensively to this team, to their structure that has sort of been crumbling over the past few weeks? Yeah, I mean, well, he's a, a hardworking player that that has certain skill that made him a top top three pick. Obviously, he maybe hasn't been exactly the score that people have wanted since he's been in the NHL, but he's he's got that level of skill to play in the top six if he needs to. But like you said, is a, a responsible defensive player, somebody who, who works hard, brings that element to to play. And um, yeah, I think that that'll be a, a really big addition for for them if they have him back in. Zibanejad, I would guess, is, is going to be, if he's still feeling a little sick, it's probably not super long term. So Getting him and Kaka both in the lineup, I think, will will help immensely. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Mika. He did miss the game on Thursday night with an illness. And after the game, head coach Peter Laviolette mentioned something about it, sort of going around the team. And I want everybody that's listening to this and just at home to be honest with yourself. When you're sick, you really don't feel like going to work every day uh, and giving 110%. Do you think that's, that this could be part of this illness, could be part of uh, some of the struggles recently? It's possible. It's hard to know how much. Uh, something like that because teams are are always vague about that stuff they don't want to let Laviolette mentioned that but like you you don't want the teams don't the players are never going to use that as an excuse um I it could for sure I mean the avalanche when I was covering them earlier this year had a similar funk where they there was an illness going around and they weren't playing very well and um things kind of compounded on each other so I don't think that the il any illness can be to blame for the way they're playing um but it certainly is I'd, I'd imagine something that doesn't help when you're when you're trying to to break out of a funk you got to find any excuse possible when you when you, <laughs> when you can't explain what's going on uh and really what you can't explain is the season that Igor Shosturkin has had right now it's been a bit of a roller coaster for him you know, you could blame the defense uh, from time to time in front of him, but he hasn't looked sharp in stretches. One and three, one, three and oh, over his last four games with an 828 save percentage uh, and a goal save above expected at negative 6.97. That's according to uh, Evolving Hockey. What have you seen from him with his inconsistent play, especially to start in this new year? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you did mention the defense and that is a big chunk of it. Like it's some of it is obviously 
him maybe not being at his sharpest, but some of it is you, you look at the individual goals he gives up and a lot of them, you're like, there's not a ton you can blame him for. Like these are just dangerous, dangerous chances. But sometimes you need, when you have a goalie like Igor Shesterkin, who you're counting on being a Vesna level player, you sometimes need them to make the saves that they're not supposed to make. And at least in the last little stretch, he probably hasn't been doing that as much as he has at other stretches of his career. I think that's that's fair to say. I will say last night, I felt like there were, like Jordan Cairo could have had two or three more goals, but Shesterkin made unbelievable saves on him. So I, I think some of it, a lot of it comes down to defense and the chances that are being given up in front of him. And then some of it is that he he needs to be a little better and maybe make the play that he's supposed or the the save that he's not supposed to make and and kind of bail the the defense out. Well, if you do watch these games, it's certainly not all bad from the Rangers perspective. It feels like they're generating a ton of chances offensively, whether it be through that second line of Panarin, Trocek uh, and Lafreniere. Do you feel like this is just kind of a bad luck stretch that they're in? I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know about like, so it, it, they're, the losses are their own doing, but they haven't. I mean, Sam Montembeau played unbelievably for Montreal and um, Bennington was good last night for St. Louis. So that that certainly plays a factor in in when you lose games where you're playing, you're generating enough chances. Sometimes the other goalie has something to say about it, too, and plays well. So I, I think there's some luck for sure. Um, but I also don't think like even with the way Bennington was playing, they they probably w- didn't walk away feeling like, oh, they deserve to win. Um, but same with the Vancouver game or the the Carolina game, the Montreal game, maybe. They like, Montebeau was unbelievable and um, they certainly generated enough and they allowed three goals, not five. So uh, yeah, but I, I think like Peter Laviolette said the other night after the Vancouver game that if you allow five goals, you're just not going to win very many, maybe one out of every 10, you score six and you come away with a win, but allowing five goals isn't a a recipe for sustained success. So I I think there's maybe some bad luck in terms of other goalies playing well, but I think that the only thing, the, the biggest thing to blame is the kind of defensive lack of soundness. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because we're inching closer to the trade deadline and any names that you think are a realistic option for the Rangers come deadline time, any positional upgrades that they need. I know you and a lot of people talk about center depth. A lot of people talk about defensive depth. Just your opinion on that. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting deadline because it is. I mean, I think ideally you want to have like seven or eight defensemen that you can count on entering the playoffs and the Rangers are are close to that. They could maybe use another extra guy who can fill in on the third pair from time if someone gets hurt um forward wise it does feel like this they they are in a place where they could use an upgrade potentially um the flexibility is really going to just come down to what philip situation is looking like if they expect him to be able to be back at any point in the regular season and if not if they're able to find someone that they can target and use his money his heedle salary let you put him on LTIR and use that extra salary to, to bring in an extra player. I don't specific names are tricky. Cause I mean, the center depth in this trade deadline class, isn't super great. There's Elias Lindholm and there's a drop off after that. That's pretty substantial. Lindholm would certainly be a welcome addition. I would think to any team, but he's also going to cost a lot because of that. So maybe Chris Drury 
um, parts with some some pieces and and makes a big splash. We've seen that he's willing to be aggressive, and I'd expect the Rangers to be aggressive again. I mean, this is a team that, despite their recent struggles, has been atop the East standings for most of the year and seems like it has the capabilities to potentially make a deep run. So you want if you have a team with those capabilities, you don't mess around and not add. So I, I, I definitely think they will be aggressive. I don't know exactly which players they'll target. Um, I, you could even like, if the centers are too expensive, you could try and get say an Anthony Duclair, a good winger that could bring some speed and, and scoring ability. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I definitely think their forward group could use a, a couple, a couple more guys. And then maybe the benefit of health uh, would, would, would do wonders for him with Kako and maybe Heedle coming back at some point. So obviously no team in the history of the NHL has ever circumvented the cap via LTIR. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that's something that, that we won't talk about, but is it more advantageous for the Rangers to maybe say, keep Heedle on LTIR and, and, uh, and go after somebody with that money at, at the deadline? Well, I mean, the, it comes down to how Heedle's feeling. They can't just, keep him on LTIR if he's ready to say he starts feeling better and is cleared and is ready to play in the next like month and a half or something, which this is, that's not, that's purely me like saying this, like what if this happens, not anything reported, but like then you're, you can't, you have to be pretty certain that he's going to be out at least for the rest of the regular season. You can't tell a guy to, you, 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 you can't, like even in Tampa's like controversial thing with Kucherov a few years ago, like Kucherov wasn't a hundred percent the first at the start of the playoffs. Like they, they could justify, obviously it was maybe a little, it was the timing it was fishy and they were able to, but, but like I, my guess is if it was the regular season, Kucherov would not have been playing at that point with where he was health wise. So you've got it. You can't like just tell a guy stay on LTIR. It's not quite that simple. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, yeah. So I, I don't think, I mean, in an ideal world for the Rangers, I suppose you get Hito back feeling good and he comes back for the playoffs, but not before then. And you can use the extra space, but that's a lot has to go right for that to happen. And just uh, if you have any quick update on, on Hedl's injury, just his, his recovery process, if you have, have heard anything uh, regarding that. Uh, he's back in check and is is skating on his own. Um, so nothing nothing more beyond that. He's just he's skating on his own back there. Awesome. Well, uh, you covered the Avalanche, like you mentioned during the 2021 Stanley Cup Championship, and uh, you've seen what a team that you know wins a championship has and what they what, you know what they've added at the deadline. Do you see anything that the Rangers are missing that to to become a championship team? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just like depth and. The, like we're seeing now, the Rangers are dealing with some injuries and in the lineup gets, it gets thin quickly. Like just when you, it's easy to envision the lineup when everyone's healthy and be like, oh, this is a team that could could do some damage. And I think the Rangers are in that boat. But what the Avalanche did when they won in 2022 is they added uh, three forwards and two defensemen that um, all kind of were guys who played a lot or did I three forwards, one defenseman, I think. Um, and we're all guys that could come in and play in the postseason just to have that extra depth. So you want to be scratching good players come the playoffs, like guys that you, cause you, to get through four rounds, you're going to have a lot of injuries. Like guys are going to go down and you're going to need to replace them. So I think 
the depth is the big thing that the Rangers could potentially look to to fix. And then you you need a little bit of luck and you need your big guys to stay healthy and and things to go right. Well, the Rangers' biggest guy, you can't talk about this team without him this year, is Artemi Panarin. Uh, another point in the loss to St. Louis. He's 58 points through 40 games on pace for 119. Assuming the pace continues, do you see his name being brought up? In, well, obviously being brought up in the Hart nomination. Do you see him with a legitimate chance to win? Yeah, I mean, we'll see who else is is uh, kind of putting together big season. Kucherov's been unbelievable so far. I think Nathan McKinnon is probably the front runner in Colorado. Um, his his point pace is ridiculous and has the advantage of playing center. And then we'll see what McDavid does in the second half. There's a chance that he just turns on the jets and all of a sudden everyone is is left in his wake and and there's not much you can do but i i certainly think panarin is in the conversation he's so important to what the rangers do and you see how much laviolette relies on him especially when they're chasing leads like the willingness to just throw him out there again and again and again with different players in hopes of of generating a goal so unbelievable player definitely if he keeps this pace up is going to be in the conversation come the end of the year all right, one final thing. The Rangers bringing up uh, Brennan Othman last week, sending him down as well. What did you see in his short little stint uh, in the NHL so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a net positive overall. I thought that especially that first game against Chicago, he looked really solid. Obviously playing against a much weaker opponent than he was the next couple of games. But the I thought he was willing to shoot. He was he was aggressive, and, and those are all traits that you want to see. Um, it's clear that Laviolette, he he made very clear that he wasn't sitting him in games when they were chasing leads because of anything he did. It was just to get other guys more ice time. But I think it is clear that like he wasn't, he didn't try. He, there were other guys who he trusted more than him, who he kept sending out there. And so I think that overall it was probably really good for Brennan Othman to get some experience. And now it's probably better for him to be playing first line minutes in the AHL than eight minutes a game in the NHL and getting sat for long stretches when the team's chasing leads. So I think overall good to get him a taste. I'm sure it was really exciting for him. Good to see that he was able to generate some offense at points and certainly an encouraging, I would say an overall encouraging stint and also probably clear that he wasn't ready to maybe bring exactly what the team is needing at this point in time. All right. Well, Peter Ball, thank you very much for joining us here at Forever Blue Shirts and welcome to New York Hockey. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be here.